0: This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirit solves the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booth without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation and botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for ten percent off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. Again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband Shane, and we are so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on This Family Tree Podcast, Episode 155,
1: the holiday episode.
0: The holiday episode, one of maybe two, because the holidays go on for a bit. We got New Year's coming up.
1: Eh, is New Year's a holiday, though?
0: It's a time of celebration,
1: for sure. But I think <laughs> th- before Christmas is the only time.
0: It's true. I'm I'm feeling incredibly festive too right now, and our interview today is Christmas themed. So I have Trisha Montalvo Tim. Trisha is a CEO. She's an author. She's a speaker, and she's I don't know what the name is that you call people. You hire them in an office to talk to people and help people out. Consultant. A consultant. And we talk about holiday burnout and how you can avoid it, different forms that it takes. She gives us some practical strategies to not succumb to it because it can be so exhausting and so all-encompassing. And we talk about the importance of showing up as your authentic self and the importance of that during the holidays, during any time in your life. But, you know, we apply it to the holidays in this conversation. So it's a good one.
1: Do you show up as your authentic self when you do this podcast?
0: Yes, Hmm. Just on a little more energetic.
1: Yeah. I think we all, it's hard once you see that blinking red light to truly be yourself.
0: How am I not being myself?
1: I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just saying for me.
0: <laughs> it's not that, huh?
1: that anger really felt like your true self.
0: <laughs> I feel good. Actually, this podcast wakes me up whenever we do it. I could be like really kind of cruising along, having a crappy night. And then it really wakes me up. Well,
1: you can't be crappy on the mic. You can't really be your true self.
0: No, because I feel good. I honestly feel better when yeah. we start. It really it really does like wake me up and give me a little punch of like something yummy. And speaking of something yummy, <laughs> that was a bad way to describe it. Shane, we have our holiday non-alcoholic seedlip cocktail tonight. Cheers, babe. So we are doing a seedlip spice 94 and eggnog. I like this. Oh, it's good.
1: It's like a white Russian Christmas edition.
0: Yeah, and we can really only get on the nog for another week. So I want to take advantage of it.
1: I don't know why eggnog is a magical liquid where it tastes disgusting after December 25th.
0: (laughs) But it's amazing. I want it in everything, like in my coffee, in a cup, to drink, with my cookies.
1: What is it about eggnog that tastes gross on December 26th? It's
0: the thought that it's egg. I think. Yeah. And it's just such a Christmassy thing. And you're like, egg any other time of the year? Hell no. You're
1: right. Stop saying egg. <laughs> I'm going to be
0: sick. I want you to enjoy it. But Shane, we are going to get into it. Okay. Are you ready?
1: I thought we were into it.
0: Yeah. No, we're getting into something else now.
1: This is so formal. Are we going to argue right now?
0: No. Okay, we're gonna, what's happening We're then? getting into... Two things. Yes, fun. The first thing we're getting into, hold on, let me bring up my note, is a Christmas-themed would you rather. Are you ready?
1: Like sexual
0: would I rather? Anything would you rather. Would you rather always doesn't have to be like that.
1: Well, I got to know what I'd rather be doing.
0: (laughs) Okay, can I, I'm going to start and then you can determine. Hold on. Okay. Would you rather spend Christmas at home with your family? Or away on a beach somewhere?
1: Home with my family.
0: Same. Same. Christmas in like somewhere on my own a la. What movie is that? Four Christmases? Doesn't appeal to me. Unless I'm going with like all the family, but
1: Home Alone, the first home alone, they're in France, and that didn't yes. look very appealing. It looked too warm. I can't be somewhere warm on Christmas.
0: See, France isn't even warm, but it's I guess it's not a snowy. It
1: looked warm Depends. in that movie.
0: I got I to gotta see those France scenes again because it's definitely in the Northern Hemisphere, some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next question. Would you rather get intimate with Santa or get intimate with an elf?
1: So it gets sexual. Like, after <laughs> no. all this talk, like, I was some pervert for asking if it gets sexual. Second question. Not only does it get sexual, I'm up against Santa or an elf. So... Who would I rather, being a straight man, would I rather get with another man, but it's Santa, so he has the fame factor, or an elf? Yes. and th- Can the elf be any gender? Why not? Okay. Well, I- an elf, if it can be a woman.
0: Okay, but like how big are elves in this world? Are they the size of the elf on the shelf?
1: Well, in my mind, in my fantasy, I guess that I'm being forced <laughs> to have, she's normal size.
0: Well, elves just aren't normal sized.
1: Well, in some movies, they're relatively normal, okay.
0: Size. So the elf that we're dealing with here, like in my brain when I made these questions, is twelve inches max
1: okay. well, the <laughs> like the sex, it can't be traditional sex then. So
0: I hey, I didn't even say sex. I just said intimate,
1: okay, fine. the female elf. <laughs> what about you?
0: Santa? Of course, obviously. Uh, Okay. Would you rather listen to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You or Jingle Bells on repeat for the duration of the month? All I
1: Want for Christmas Is You.
0: I wouldn't. I would choose Jingle Bells because Jingle Bells will grate on me, but I would have to listen to it a ton of times. But I think it would just kind of blend in nicely to the background noise. However, one listening of All I Want for Christmas is You, one is enough to grate on me. I'm not a fan of that song.
1: Jingle Bells is too consistently the same. And that can drive me nuts. Where as the Mariah Carey song has ebbs and flows to it and catchy parts and parts that are different. It's like the if I just went meh, meh, meh. <laughs> but the
0: no the plus to that though is that it might just fade into some consistent noise because it is so it's like white noise you listen to brown noise every night like it could be that
1: no not the same i think i want a little melody
0: you live your life shane all right next question would you rather be locked in a room with a person who absolutely despises Christmas, like Grinch level, Scrooge level, mm-hmm. or a person who is a Christmas fanatic, totally obsessed.
1: I'm locked in a room. What is it? Christmas? No. One, I'm gonna say bad question. Two. <laughs>
0: okay, it is Christmas. If that makes it better.
1: No, it doesn't make it that much better. <laughs> Some, someone who doesn't like Christmas. Why? I don't know. Sometimes cynics can be fun to chat with. Sometimes someone who's overly positive, if you're a jokester, you can feel a little eggshell-y around them, like you don't want to say something that's going to upset them. So my best self with my sense of humor, Mm -hmm. it can be good if I'm around somebody who leans a little negative.
0: See, I'd go the Christmas lover and then just sing songs until we get freed from the room or something talk about figgy pudding
1: okay i'm in i'm I'm having more fun though in mine
0: i don't know if you are we're dancing around doing a jig having a party and you guys are just sitting there complaining about shit
1: when we're out having our most fun all we're doing is complaining about (laughs) shit we're like oh look at that person they're stupid you know (laughs) every time i'm out people watching it's just pointing out what somebody's doing wrong in our (laughs) our minds
0: you know (laughs) the most normal people in the world meanwhile shane and i are the biggest weirdos at any place but Yeah. yeah no i i do love that i love people watching um okay next question would you rather chug a gallon of eggnog or eat an entire gingerbread house in one sitting
1: gingerbread houses are largely inedible so i will say eggnog
0: yeah, eggnog for sure. That you said was a funny. gallon? Yeah.
1: How much is a gallon? How many liters?
0: Your guess is as good as my babe.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, next question. Would you rather receive money or gifts for Christmas? Gifts. I would say gifts too. Why do you say gifts?
1: Often gifts will exceed the amount of money that someone's willing to give you, and, and it opens your mind into something new that you might have not considered but potentially would like more well, than you, if if you know what I mean like some things I would never buy for myself but then I get them and I like them
0: same and your life got changed by a Christmas gift when Roseanne Nona got you kitten ace for the first time you were looking at it you're like this looks like pajamas I don't know if I'm gonna like it put it on you rarely don't wear kitten ace well
1: yeah that shirt was unfortunately ruined by a child who stretched my neckline out. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy.
0: I was uh on Lucy today, actually, also, because when she was a baby, she pulled my hoop earring down in my earlobe, and it stretched out barf. my thing, my ear hole, and I can't wear heavy earrings anymore. That makes me sick. I know, Shane. It's that awful. That
1: egg drink mentions.
0: <laughs> okay. Would you rather... Go the whole Christmas season without any Christmas movies or without any Christmas songs.
1: Hmm. We pretty much have gone this whole season without Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. So I will say I'd rather go without Christmas movies.
0: Yeah, same. Well, until it gets down to like the nitty gritty and then I'm like, oh, we got to watch White Christmas or we got to watch. But
1: it's only two or three nights when it's the nitty gritty. exactly. But the songs, when you're in in a store, whether you realize it or not, it's getting you in the mood.
0: They make you feel good. I listen to a Christmas song, the same Christmas song, every day on my way to work.
1: The Waitresses?
0: That one is in the rotation now. It's been the rotation for about two weeks, but uh, Fairy Tale of New York by The Pogues.
1: Sing it. How does it go? Oh, that one's like... You're uh, a
0: bum, you're a... It's oh, okay. like bad words, but it's funny.
1: Okay. I like The Waitresses <laughs> wrapping paper.
0: So. Christmas wrapping yeah it's so yeah. good okay last would you rather
1: mm-hmm.
0: would you rather be the person who gets way too drunk at the Christmas party or the person who does not get invited at all
1: hmm. probably not invited
0: I was just gonna say that because you don't want to get too drunk and then the next year not invited because of something embarrassing you did I'd rather just they don't invite me because they're like ah, maybe Alex is too busy
1: How often have you been the person who's too drunk at a Christmas party?
0: Oh, good question. Maybe like once. Yeah. I've been there once in my early 20s. What about you?
1: Christmas party? Not sure. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Every other party, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Like, not anymore, but I mean, I went through a period where it's just like... I didn't understand anything.
0: Did the period in like did it last into your thirties or was it solely confined to your twenties?
1: Probably the pandemic has shifted me where <laughs> I I don't know what happened. Like <laughs> I felt feel like I learned a lot over that pandemic period or something. Yeah. Know.
0: Well, you and I, I like just our regular alcohol consumption has decreased by like 500 percent not that we were ever drinking heavily but we'd have a glass of wine a night uh or with dinner or whatever and now we Mm -hmm. will go for months without drinking without even really thinking about it
1: yeah i saw i was just out at a pub crawl and i forget who oh it was my friend ian we were talking about how much we drink wine and i was like i used to drink a lot of wine now i don't really drink wine that often (laughs) And he just looked at me and just goes, because you look great. (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting him to say that. I was like, ooh, okay, good beauty tip. (laughs) Stay away from wine.
0: Yeah, no, I love, I love wine. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, if you would have asked me, like, during a wine drinking phase of my life, where I'm having it frequently, like, every day, I would have been like, oh, I'm not giving this up. It's my thing that I like to do to unwind it's not relying on it it's just that's the thing you like
1: you would say every night it's wine o'clock i'm like it's i would 2 not p.m alex
0: <laughs> i never have let's for put the, the record. kids to bed get out but i never have said that and i do love a glass of wine but when you just kind of get off of it and then now we just you know drink at our leisure or whatever but it's it's not that often it's a good balance (laughs) at our leisure
1: (laughs) it was our job before
0: (laughs) all right so now i am moving to christmas never have i ever this are you ready
1: confuses me a lot never have i ever i don't my brain cannot wrap my head around this game
0: okay never have i ever made out with someone under a mistletoe
1: Okay, can you just switch up the way you ask? Because honestly, this hurts my mind.
0: Defeats the game. So, okay, Shane, if you have done that, you have to take a drink of your cocktail.
1: Okay, if and I if, have done it, I do. What's the question?
0: Never have I ever made out with somebody under a mistletoe.
1: So I have, so I do it?
0: Yes. So you got to do a little chug I don't look. think I
1: have. I don't think I have.
0: I think I think I've made out with you under a mistletoe when i don't know i just seems like something i do
1: yeah not make out though
0: i don't know early on in our relationship Shane when i couldn't keep my lips off of you
1: we weren't under mistletoe that often
0: well in the you know one month a year when mistletoes are out i i can see myself having like pulled you under and made out with you
1: well who's answering the question here i'm saying no
0: <laughs> okay i'm drinking that one Next one. Never have I ever exchanged a present that I received for Christmas. So have you ever returned a gift?
1: Yeah, of course.
0: I have. Can you recall what it was? Like, was there anything that was like super just not you and you're like, got to get rid of this as quick as I can?
1: I think when I was young, I was really like money hungry. So... (laughs) If I would get a gift certificate, and I'm older, right? It's like, I guess I'm the age of people who listen to this. I'm almost 40. So you probably remember the gift certificates that actually weren't gift cards. They were physical objects. They were like checks that you could use at other places. So one time I remember I got a $10 jumbo video like gift certificate. Was
0: that the one with the elephant?
1: Yeah, and they had free popcorn in it. So I was so money hungry. I just went to the kids section and they had 69 cent VHS movies. I bought one, I think it was like Dumbo or something, 69 cent movie, got the change (laughs) and just returned the Dumbo movie. (laughs)
0: That's genius. But I used
1: to do that with all my gift cards.
0: That's very smart. Once
1: I got a $50 mall gift certificate, bought a bun from Swiss Chalet because they had a Swiss Chalet in the mall food court, got $49 back.
0: I think... What I'm taking out of that, I just can't stop thinking, why don't they have a Swiss chalet in the food court anymore?
1: I think people do not look at Swiss chalet as a a food courtable item. It seems to be like I have to sit down with my family and eat. Swiss chalet has gone into this weird world where it's not considered fast food anymore.
0: Because I could sit with like a chicken leg and those tasty fries in that food court.
1: But you couldn't. Your brain will block you. And something will say it's going to take too long. I don't have the time. I'm in the mall. I have to hurry. I'll go to Arby's. You won't. I'm telling you, no one will sit down and eat a quarter chicken.
0: It does. It does seem heavy for a food court. Yes, fare. that's why. And like you need a fork and knife. And in the whatnot.
1: early '90s, there were no rules though. You, you, the internet. People weren't looking up how much calories are in a quarter chicken. <laughs> Nothing mattered. Now everyone knows everything, so you can't.
0: You know, and nobody's having that for their little afternoon snack. Their thing. what? Their afternoon oh, snack. Oh, I
1: heard laughter
0: <laughs> Little afternoon is what I said. Oh, okay. Okay, next question. Never have I ever bought something for someone, but then kept it for myself instead. So did you ever buy something for somebody? And then you're like, "Nah, I like this too much. I'm keeping it for me.
1: Yeah, once. Okay, so I have got a friend. He was hard to buy for. So I got him a, what is that called? A Texas Mickey of Grey Goose? Yeah. This is expensive. This was like 120 bucks. Texas
0: Mickeys are not cheap. Grey Grey, Goose. Grey Goose. It
1: was over 100 bucks. Might have been 150 something. So I give him the gift thinking I'm like, like, hey, here's this great gift. And I knew he didn't love alcohol, but I knew he liked entertaining. Mm -hmm. And I knew he, status was important to him. So I'm like, whether you drink it or not, (laughs) you're going to like this because it's a cool thing to have. And I, I brought it to him. He's like, what am I going to do with the uh, sticks? Making fun of me. I took it back. I just stole it.
0: So you gave it to him. So I thought you were going to say like you were going to give it to him and then decided you wanted it no, before I gave he it. Saw it, to it.
1: Him. I go, fine. I'm taking it back and just took it back.
0: I need to know who it was.
1: Uh, I don't talk to this person anymore or this person won't talk to me anymore.
0: Oh, I know who it is. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, maybe this was the inception of all of that. I don't know. Years ago. How long ago was this? (laughs) 10 years ago. There you go. Planted the seed chain.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Imagine this is all what it came down to. Who knows? Oh, man. I'm trying to think of any time I would have done that. I think that I bought something for my mom before and decided to keep it for myself. We We have similar taste in things. So I think I may have bought in like shoes or a piece of jewelry, and then was like, no, I'm going to keep this for me.
1: (laughs) I may have does not make up for the best storytelling. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There might be a story out there of me doing something like that.
0: (laughs) I can't remember, honestly. Um, But I did. I have doubled up on gifts because I'm like, oh, this is a great gift for this person. I'm going to get one for myself, too.
1: Let's dive into the specifics. What was the item?
0: Well, I can't tell you because it's for you this Christmas.
1: Oh, so And
0: it, I was like, ooh, this is really good. I'm going to get one for myself too. And you know what?
1: What kind of an item is it?
0: I can't tell you, Shane.
1: What world is it in? Is it in the food I, I can't. Category? I
0: can't tell you. Is it food? It's in that world. And there was another item that is not in the food world that I got you. And I'm kicking myself for not getting another one for me. Because I was ready to. I had like five of these things lined up. They're pricey, but like five of them lined up. And I was like, all right, this is the one I'm going to get Shane. And I feel like I need to get this other one just so we have a couple in the house and we can Mm. exchange and whatnot. And I didn't get it. And I've been regretting it every day. So I'm going to try to hit them up on Boxing Day.
1: I couldn't be more curious.
0: Oh, I'm so excited for you to see. Wow. I want the things so bad. Wow. Yeah. I especially want the one thing so bad.
1: Yeah. This Christmas is tough for me. To impress you because I gave you your main gift. Get
0: out. You gave me the best gift ever. I know,
1: which means Christmas is going to be shit because I gave you the gift beforehand. So now I'm scrambling with nothing.
0: No, it was the best and I appreciate it so much. The Dyson Airwrap, Shane, you can't, like, that's amazing.
1: Okay, so Alex, I brought up the idea of maybe getting Alex a Dyson Airwrap for Christmas. (laughs) You know, it's an expensive item, but we're grown adults. We work hard. What's... $800 for a blow dryer (laughs) is my thought. Alex, after I purchase it, Alex emails me just almost at that moment. I don't want an air wrap for Christmas. I just want an air wrap. Here's what I want. So she's essentially saying, I'm just going to buy an air wrap and you get me something else. I'm like, honey, I think the air wrap makes a great gift. So... It doesn't make me feel great. So then obviously I give you the air wrap early because you're going out.
0: You didn't give it to me like that way, though, because I knew you got it because a package came and we thought it was this toy that we were waiting for for the kids. And I was like, hey, Shane, there's a package on the shuffleboard table. It might be the toy, but it might be a gift for me. You go check it out. And you're like, Alex, it's a toy. It's from Dyson. And it's like, Shane, Dyson doesn't make toys. They make air wraps. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I knew. Yeah, and
1: but I, I gave it to you so you could open it because I didn't give a did. shit anymore.
0: You did. And I'm so happy. And you've used it a couple of times. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> it's just blowing
1: air at me. What's the $800 worth? <laughs> well,
0: you're not curling your hair or smoothing it, I guess. Not
1: yet. If it works really well, might. my, my hair's sh- getting long.
0: You longer. should try it. I know. Oh, Shane, I was looking at photos and videos of you with your long hair. Mm-mm.
1: That was too long.
0: Mm-mm. I loved it. You were like Dread Pirate Roberts. Who? From freaking Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're like the Spanish-looking Dread Pirate Roberts.
1: Who is that guy?
0: Well, it's Carrie Yule's character.
1: He's long hair in that.
0: No, he has short blonde hair and he looks nothing like you. But I'm saying you're like you look like a Spanish version of that.
1: Well, you realize there's another guy in that movie with longer
0: hair. Yeah, who is Spanish?
1: <laughs> okay, just say him.
0: <laughs> no, but that's not who you remind me of. You're you were you look like piratey with that long hair mm-hmm. it was hot that's all i'm saying
1: what else you got alex
0: well now that's it and now my mind is just on long hair and i think new year's resolution grow it out but that's just me and with that i say let's get to the interview with trisha Wait, Tim. what's what? your
1: New year's resolution
0: that's for next week babe
1: okay fine let's get to whom
0: <laughs> trisha montavo tim
1: but before we get to this interview let's let everyone know who we are supported by
0: We are supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto.
1: An hour outside of Hamilton.
0: Nice and close. And Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics that you can get for your kids. I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. And we had the kids decked out in Mini Miosh tonight for the Santa Claus Parade.
1: I'm wearing a mini Miosh winter hat as we speak. And it is the best, most comfortable hat I've ever worn in my life.
0: Well, that's the thing. They have a new like winter collection out, like outerwear. So they have scarves for kids. They've got toques for adults, toques for kids. And it is all so cozy and so warm. And like, it looks, it looks amazing.
1: I'm putting my name on the line that I stand by this quality. (laughs) Tell them Shane sent you.
0: (laughs) Mini Miosh also now has a women's collection out, which is something that we've been, you know, crossing our fingers for, for years. And I am absolutely in love. So this is the M and West collection. It's simple. It's made of French Terry and it's ethical and sustainable. All the things that you love about Mini Miosh, it's super high quality and just like, it feels amazing to wear. I I rarely have taken it off since I got like a shipment in last week. Like it's you, true.
1: Might want to throw it in the lawn. <laughs> Get out
0: of here. All of their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. You can find the company online at mini or at mini on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US and it is one use per customer. So load up your carts. Again, that is mini miyash.com and thisfamilytree15
1: but we are also supported by...
0: We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best bras you can get your hands on. So I got hooked on them when I was nursing. Hooked Lucy. or clipped? Hooked and clipped for their nursing bras. <laughs> hooked to the back, clipped on the front. Got you. But they were so practical and so comfortable and just incredible quality. So I didn't really want to use anything else because they were amazing. And now that I have weaned my second baby and I'm out of the nursing bra world, Bravado Designs has an everyday collection. So these are bras with no clips, but it's the same quality, the same comfort that you fell in love with with the nursing collection.
1: I weaned you off your other bras. (laughs) And because I'm the one who introduced you to Bravado Designs,
0: it's true. It's true. And then, and then you got me hooked on their everyday collection. Yeah.
1: What was so funny there? Is there something so funny about me weaning you?
0: you there's a lot of funny about that. Got but you. You can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com, or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that's bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get to our conversation with Trisha Montalvo-Tim. Amazing. Trisha, thank you. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. You have to excuse me. I've got my hair in a heatless curler, and we've got lots going on today and tonight, so yeah. I'm multitasking.
2: I'm sure. Uh, so am I, and you know, that's the topic of our uh, segment today.
0: Yes, yes. And Trisha, I would love if we could start off with you explaining – to the listeners, what it is that you do. I know you're a multitasking professional yourself as well. Yes.
2: So I have been working in Silicon Valley for 25 years. I'm a corporate lawyer and represented high-tech companies from large, big public companies to small startups and everything in between. And my latest operational role was general counsel of a company called Booker, uh, we were a data analytics company, which we sold to Google a couple of years ago for $2.6 billion. So it was a very, I know, very nice um, exit and a fantastic company with a, a phenomenal culture. So since then, since two years ago, I've pivoted and now I have what I call a portfolio career. And talk about multitasking. I'm doing a number of different things. I serve on a board of a company called Salsify. I'm on their board of directors. I'm on the board of several nonprofits. And i doing some venture investing, um, supporting female entrepreneurs and women of color.
0: And I'm writing a book, or I wrote a book, which is uh, set to be published in March. That is, and is that Embrace the Power of You? Yes. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about this book and, and what it involves?
2: Yeah. So the book, really, the idea came out of a friend. Uh, She had emailed um, a group of people over the pandemic, and it just uh, got an email that said, want to write a book? And it's one of those moments where you think, universe sending me this This is such a random email. And she was the CEO of a company called Hotwire. And um, she had noticed- Like like the hotel
0: uh, website?
2: No. Okay. It's the uh, PR agency. Okay. And um, she was noticing that there were when she was interviewing CEOs, that the male CEOs were writing books and the female CEOs were not. And when she asked why, was um, there was not enough time. Uh, so there are, like most things, fewer female business authors out in the world. So she decided that she wanted to get more female first time female authors out in the world. So she put together a group of 10 women, first-time authors, to support each other through the book journey. And that's where it all began. And as I delved into it, I hired a developmental editor. And the story sort of took fold from there. It is a part memoir. And it is a story for anyone who feels like what I call an other in the workplace. Uh, They want to belong, but they don't fit in and they change or adapt for themselves in order to fit in. Um, Something we all did in middle school, but sort of continues through into the workplace. Um, And they may not realize that really showing up as their authentic self and the real them um, is really what success looks like, not only for themselves, um, but for the organization.
0: We really need to
2: have authentic voices, diverse voices in the room.
0: Yeah, I hear that. I mean, I'm lucky to work with a ton of really, I, I, I think, authentic people and wonderful people. But I think that, I mean, and this is just from what I've seen, there's a trend toward that because there's still a lot of I'm total robots, I think, that I run into yeah. in every industry, right? Yeah. Whether it is in teaching, whether it's in the corporate world, whether it's in the influencing and content creation world there people can be total robots and sometimes it's hard not to do that because you know this is the plan for success. How am I successful showing up as myself when this is the model? Like we see all the people that are successful mm-hmm. and they have all these same similar the similar traits or whatever. It can be hard but, to tear yourself away from that model and be courageous enough to kind of go against the grain. I think it's it's a tough thing to do.
2: It is and I think you nailed it with it is courageous. I think there's so much fear that we have put in, you know, onto ourselves because we don't want to be rejected. You know, we're, we're fearful that there'll be consequences. We don't see anyone in our environment that looks like us or talks like us. And so it feels scary to be different. Um, and so it takes a lot of courage. It takes a ton of vulnerability.
0: Mm-hmm. And, now, Church, I want to talk to you because it's the holiday season. This is coming out. Yeah. This episode is coming out the week of the holidays. Okay? So I want to talk about burnout because, as yeah. you know, a multitasking woman and burnout happens to all of us. And then, you know, throw a couple kids in there, throw a kid in there, throw a family in there, <laughs> throw Christmas, freaking Hanukkah, New Year's, whatever, <laughs> yeah. and you're kind of screwed. So – why do women suffer burnout more than men? Like my husband, he's like on cloud nine. He's just zooming through <laughs> these holidays at a happy yeah, little pace right, right now. Yeah, such a
2: great question, Alexandra. I think because women often take on the housework, and I don't mean that in the literal sense, but all of the lifts, um, whether it's in the home or in the office. Um, We're the ones that make sure all the events are planned, all the food is ordered, and that everyone is taken care of. We make these mental lists in our brain, um, and we continue uh, to do this over and over again. We volunteer. We think, you know, if it's going to get done right, I have to do it. And so because we continue to take all of these things, they pile up. And, you know, in my book, I actually have a section around self-care. And one exercise I use there, so just to bring attention to how much we've taken on over time, is an exercise around drawing circles. Um, And I ask the reader to make a circle for everything that is your responsibility and that you've taken on. And I ask them to do it from a time when they were carefree, usually kind of younger in their lives and sort of starting out um, out of high school, to today. And you look at your circles from then, and I have a, a teenager who's in college right now, and her circle is just a big me. Uh, you know, it's just me. Uh, so everything is sort of revolves around what her needs are and what she wants to do. And I look at my circles and I started drawing them and I saw, you know, kids, siblings, parents, PTA, boss, employees, pets, carpool. Volunteer work, Uh, and it goes on and on and on. And my circles filled the page. And I think when you add in the holidays, you add to the circles, right? Presents, decorations, house needs to look perfect, you know. And so when you just really physically look at it all, then you you're not surprised why you're burnt out because you've taken on so much.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way of really making I think the the invisible load tangible because it is it's so difficult and sometimes I'll step back and I'll be like okay why am I stressed right now like what am I actually doing that is making me stressed because I don't feel like I'm necessarily doing more than I I usually take on but then if Mm -hmm. I was to stop and write things down and actually lay it out I'm sure it would be (laughs) significant yeah And I I like to do that with lists even, like when I'm trying to get things done, I'm a person that really thrives on list making and crossing things out physically. Yeah. And that I find motivating.
2: Yeah, I do that too. I have so many lists. And I have, my challenge is I have lists on too many different pieces of paper. I got to put the list together into one, uh, which I'm I'm trying to do.
0: No, because then Trisha hold on, because then you run into this problem. I don't think you're going to be able to see that on my phone. I currently have 1,370 notes going. So that's not helpful either.
2: Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, We have too many lists. Yeah. You know, I think the other reason also why we're burnt out is we have set up for ourselves an unattainable expectation of perfection. Um, there is this desire for everything to be a certain way and to be perfect. And I think around the holidays, um, I remember spending many years trying to emulate the you know, Hallmark movie, uh, I Celebrate Christmas, Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, with the perfect home and the perfectly laid out dinner table. And, you know, that is extreme amount of pressure uh, that we put on ourselves.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it is. And then, you know, you bring in social media and then it becomes not only a movie version, but you see real life women doing this on Pinterest, on Instagram. Yeah. And luckily the trend, I think, has moved away from that and moved into, Mm -hmm. well, you know, this is the aspirational, but then this is the realistic. And I think people have become better at showing that, you know, that that's not really how it is. But it it still gets tough because even knowing that, you know, logging into social media and things, I mean, even I find myself and I'm very aware, but I find myself kind of getting lost in like, oh, look how beautiful their house is. Look I how know. easily she's setting that table, making that dinner with her seven <laughs> yeah. kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so tricky.
2: Yeah. You know, I will say that exactly what you said is something I really was challenged with as a young mother because I was working full time. And there's this guilt that we put on ourselves on um, also being the perfect mom. And I lived in a, in a neighborhood with um, a lot of stay-at-home moms. And I wanted to keep, quote, keep up with it. You know, and there was a period of my life where I was a stay-at-home mom. And I realized how challenging and hard that is as well. And the guilt that we give ourselves mm-hmm. for being in the home. I mean, and so like we constantly are comparing ourselves to one another. And I think if we just step back and give ourselves grace and empathy and that we're doing the best that we can do um, is really a good place to start.
0: Yeah. You know, a friend of mine who's in the same kind of field I am on the internet, like the content creation, she recently posted a meme she saw and was trying to bring attention to how bullshit it was. But it was like <laughs> Christmas magic is made from a mother's love or something along the lines of that. And her and I were talking about it privately, too, and then she was talking about it on her thing, but it's it just reinforces and perpetuates the idea that the mom needs to take that on. And then if you're just a woman that's scrolling social media and you see that, that's going to, like you said, that's going to instigate, I think, or elicit a lot of guilt in you if you are don't have the time, don't have the money, don't have the help around you to do certain Mm -hmm. things and it's like you don't need Mm -hmm. to mothers show their love in so many different ways it doesn't need to be that you know christmas magic that you see on hallmark movies and i think we need to cut that kind of thinking out of our lives because it does make such an impact yeah and i think you know when we're talking back to authenticity
2: what i talk about in the workplace in my book is one of the strategies is to really role model it. So if you are in the place where you are comfortable showing up authentically, if you role model it, others will follow. So part of it is we see all the perfect holiday, you know, even if we go to our friend's house and it's all perfect. Um, so sometimes I'll be very like, hey, you know what? I can't, I just can't, you know, I'm not going to make, bring out the China. We're doing, you know, paper plate, Christmas plates because I want to throw it all away when we're done, I don't want to do any dishes and, and, and just really embrace that piece of I'm too busy right now. I just can't do it. And then I think that gives permission for other women or other, you know, partners to say, yeah, why, why are we going through all this? We don't really need to do it.
0: Because there's this ingrained sense of like martyrdom that we all take on and it's learned. (laughs) We take it from our mothers. They got it from their mothers and somebody needs to be a cycle breaker. And like, just thinking about the dishes, right? I mean, my poor mom, she's the most wonderful cook that I've ever met. Like a meal in a, in a five-star in restaurant, a Michelin-rated restaurant, it'll be more creative than maybe what she makes. But is it going to taste as good? Probably not. She is an incredible and inventive cook. Uh, and she wow. likes having dinner parties. And she likes throwing these lavish meals. And she likes really going all out on holidays. But then – she doesn't do the paper plates half the time. She'll get the china or she'll have us over on a random Sunday night for a dinner and she'll go all out and she'll stress about it for three days. And it's like, it kills me because she doesn't have to be so creative. She doesn't have to be so elaborate. She doesn't have to bring out the china. She Mm -hmm. could knock it back by 20 paces. And then she'll say, Oh, well, you know, I just love doing it. And it's like, yeah, but your love and your sanity seem out of balance right now. I don't want you mm-hmm. to love something, but then lose your sanity and lose your happiness over it. I mean, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. to, your your happiness should qualify as one of the reasons that you you love it. And I find that a lot of us just get so caught up in saying, well, I can do this. I'm a great cook. I'm a great host. So I want to do this, but all my happiness is going to be drained out of me in the process. And it's it's that martyrdom that I think we all it's an infliction, an affliction. Sorry, yeah. yeah.
2: I think a big part of it is you know where do we get our worthiness? And there's a sense of worthiness that comes from throwing a fabulous dinner party, perfectly done. The meals perfect. The decorations are amazing, and everyone saying to you, "What an incredible host you are." I mean, that feels great, right? So where, you know, how do we define our worth? And I think that the last decade, we've spending much more time talking about our mental health um, and happiness, anxiety, you know, I probably, your mom sounds just like my mom and the anxiety I see in her physically in trying to prepare this perfect meal I see it. Um, She doesn't recognize it. And even though I try to say, look, you know, you're hyperventilating a bit here running around and, um, and she's not recognizing it. So I think one of the things that I'm really grateful for is the conversations we're now having Um, around like, just like we're having today around, you know, putting ourselves first sometimes and that that's not selfish.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you have any other strategies that might help us keep our sanity this time of year when we do feel that pressure and we in some weird way may crave the people saying it's not even a weird way you know every that people saying oh what a beautiful meal what beautiful decorations like how can we balance that in any tangible ways that, that you might have
2: one strategy is not to be afraid to reinvent how you celebrate I think another trap we often fall into is, well, we've always done it that way. We've you know always gone to Mom and Dad's house and done you know the meal until midnight, or we've always gone to multiple family homes on the same day because we've got to, you know give equal time to everyone. Um, and so we run ourselves ragged because this is just how we've always done it. Um, but I think that as you move through seasons of your life, you, things change. You might now have a partner. You might now have children. You might now have elderly parents who can't travel to you. So how do you you know, continue to come together in a way to celebrate, but maybe keep in mind everyone else's different circumstances? Maybe it's at a time you could travel easily but now you've got the four kids and it's much easier if people came to your house. So I'm just really consciously thinking about how you celebrate rather than um, being robotic. And this is just how we've always done it. Uh, And I would say, you know, as we talked about earlier, let go of the perfect holiday. Uh, I, you know, I think that, you know, Hallmark is great, but I don't think that we have to emulate that. Um, I think that when we look back and think about the best memories we've had with our families, um it's the jokes it's the laughter it's the funny things that happened it's the moments um those really little tiny moments we had with each other i don't think anybody remembers what china you know grandma had at her house so uh, so i think you know really reflecting on the present and what you enjoy with each other rather than making it look perfect
0: yeah and what you said about you know reinventing how you celebrate christmas i think is so important but it's difficult like i grew up you know really lovingly i i love my family i love my cousins i love how we did holidays and then when i got married or when i started you know seeing my husband then it got tricky cuz then it's like oh wait a second i have to cut into my family time and the time that i treasure To go hang out with your family, who, number one, I don't even know. Number two, I don't love as much as my family because I don't know them. And that was hard. And then it was compounded because his parents are divorced. So then that's two separate Christmases. So then in my head, I'm like, hold on a second. This isn't fair. This isn't equitable. Like, I'm giving up all my family time to now do two separate things with your family. And then my parents now and my family now gets one third instead of mm-hmm. the one half that I anticipated, you know, maybe when I got in a relationship instead of the one whole that I would prefer. But we've worked it out to a point now where I think we all feel pretty comfortable and it's nobody's ideal But it's good. So Mm -hmm. we have his father and stepmom with my family on Christmas Eve, because being Polish, that's a huge celebration for us, Christmas Eve. And it's my favorite celebration of Christmas. And then Christmas morning, we go to my parents' house for stockings and like a breakfast. Then we go to his mother's house for dinner. And it's equitable. It's, I mean, I I think maybe some people feel like they want more time with us and with the grandkids, but – It's honestly, it's impossible. There's no way we're going to three places on Christmas Day. And I kind of set that boundary the first year that we had kids. I said, it's not happening. If somebody wants to come, get extra time, they can come to our house. But we are not going to another spot because it's not feasible. I also want to have a little rum in my eggnog in the morning. So (laughs) I'm not getting behind the wheel. (laughs) And it's... It's it's the it's the only way to do it and I, I think everybody in your family has kind of got to get on the same page when it comes to that which again can be difficult during the holidays. But I'm curious, was that ever an issue for you when you began having children? How did how did you kind of navigate that?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even first getting married, uh, you know, when we first got married, my parents live about six hours away. So, you know, I always went to, you know, their home Christmas Eve. We also celebrate a big Christmas Eve, you know, whose family are in, and, and my husband's family is, you know, there were just, it was impossible to physically be near each other's families um, even within days because it was too far. So did we skip one year? You know, how, how did we do it? So each time there was, I think a, a change in what our family dynamics looked like, we really just had to reevaluate how what's the best way for everybody. And when I had kids, we were the first to have kids within my husband's family. We said, we just can't manage going everywhere. Everybody come to us. They did that for many years. Now they have little ones. Ours are older. So now we're going to his house on Christmas Eve, you know, because it's easier for us to travel than them. So, you know, I think it's just, I think everyone needs to be a little flexible, and like I said, reinvent. Um, and out of that, we actually created a phenomenal Christmas Eve, you know, dinner with ele- white elephants that um, that we all look forward to uh, just as much as we do Christmas Day now. So
0: that's amazing. That's see, th- mm-hmm. and that's what it's about. It's just making something compromising and getting everybody as happy as you can, even if it's not what you envisioned, and just. Celebrating that. And I I think Mm -hmm. to have that many people come together or like even two families coming together at all and working that out because everything is so chaotic today, I I think that is so special. Yeah. And now I want to touch on, you know, in preparation for the holidays, I find that a lot of people are bad at delegation, whether it is maybe delegating too politely and Mm – that could be an issue where you're not getting enough help from your partner maybe that you might need because you're nervous to say. There's an issue of, I think, delegating in a nasty way. And I see this sometimes with some friends of mine where Mm -hmm. the delegate, it's too bossy. And then sometimes there's no delegation at all. And, you know, whether it's because you say something the other person doesn't reciprocate and do their end of the deal or because you just don't say anything because you want to take on that weight on your own it's that modern thing that we were talking about so what's a way that we can delegate properly i don't know do you have any advice on that <laughs> like I, I i think about that i i have a pretty good with shane my husband i i just kind of say hey this needs to be done can you go do it and he says yeah it's is pretty, it's pretty easy, but he says the same thing to me, but I, I'm not a good delegator. Like I often just sit on things on my own and then I'll tell him when I'm about to pop my top usually. So I, that's something I've personally been working on. Yes.
2: You know, I think you touched on it when you said, I just kind of been sitting on it. And I think, uh, a lot of times we don't say what we need. You know, I think that we know what we need, To your point, we want to be the martyr. We want to be the hero that saves Christmas. And so we don't say it until it's blowing up because you've just taken on too much. So I think one thing is just to notice that you really have taken on too much and you need help. Um, And really asking for help, it's hard for some of us because we do want, yeah, we do want to be able to do it all and show that we can do it all. So I think one is just noticing that you need help and asking for the help. And I and you'll find that when you really authentically ask for help, um, you know, loved ones around you will will see it. I have a funny story one time. Is this a, just a last year or maybe even or last year, a couple of years ago, where I I think we were coming off of COVID and I just was like overwhelmed. And I, I, I was the thought of, you know, doing the whole stocking thing and all of that. I just, I couldn't, I'm like, I, I'm just not doing it. And I don't know what, inspired me that day but we're in the car with the whole family and I said you know we're just not doing stockings for the show we're just not doing it and the whole family just said you're canceling Christmas (laughs) which I didn't mean to say I'm canceling Christmas but I was like I just I can't the thought of having to get all these presents I can't do it and um and so they offered to chip in you know yeah we'll help you know we'll we'll go do we'll do the you know this Present for you, or we'll do the wide open. Well, and, and I noticed that I didn't ask for help. I, I should have asked for help earlier instead of just quote, canceling Christmas. Right. And so I, I think, you know, one of the things is just asking for help. And the second thing is give people choices. I think all of us don't like to be, you know, voluntold. Uh, we, we want choices and if you lay it out in a way, which is, here are the five things we have to get done before we leave tomorrow. If I need help. You know, which one of these can you help me with or which can you take on? Uh, and I think when you give, whether it's your partner or your, and your kids, by the way, can do a lot. I think it took me a long time to learn that <laughs> they can do a lot. Uh, they can help. And or, you know, friends, family, there are a number of different people that can help. And I think that if you if somebody chooses their task, um, they have more accountability over it and are more willing to say yes.
0: Yeah. And speaking of, you know, five ways, and I know you as a list maker, you you like to put things in that. And one thing that we were kind of talking about in our emails was five ways to build healthy boundaries like saying no mm. not getting feeling guilty cuz that's a big thing that we need to it's it's a skill that we need to hone especially during the holiday season so i was curious if you could share mm. those five ways to kind of you know just build build those healthy boundaries with me yeah
2: i think boundary setting and, and you said you have some boundaries around you know christmas that's fabulous um it took me way too long to learn how to set boundaries i'll tell you that you know, one boundary I created uh, as I was working full time uh, was to create a list of non-negotiables. And what I mean by that is find out the things in your life that you you do not want to get rid of because they're important to you. And that could be things for yourself, like your morning walk, your exercise, you know, lunch with your friends, whatever that. Thing might be for you, uh, make it a non negotiable because there is going to be a never ending competition for your time. And if you don't prioritize what that non negotiable is, it will go. And so for me, one of my non negotiables when I was working was family dinner. I, you know, our family decided we are going to have family dinner every night where there's no meetings, no devices. And we're gonna spend one hour sitting around an old-fashioned table and have a dinner. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that we started that habit early on when the kids were little. Because now as teenagers, it's a habit. It's just they know it's dinner time. And I don't have to be arguing about put your devices away, why is it, or or everyone's just looking at their device, or oh, people are at the, you know, watching TV in different rooms or and that is really the only time that we can really connect on each you know each other's day we do this fun exercise of what are highs and lows and we hear about you know everybody's high and low and often revolves around you know whatever's in front of you at dinner uh, but it is um, I think really important so that's that's number one uh, number two which we talked about I would say is bread out the you know office work, whether that's home or office uh, work. So asking others really again take take on some more, spread it out so it's not overwhelming for you. Another one I would say is listen to your body. I think oftentimes we override what our body is telling us. Our body is quite smart, and it we know when somebody says, "Can you do X." Our body will tell us if it's a yes or a no. If you're excited, uh, looking forward to it, that's a yes. It's just, you you know, you're excited. If your body is starts getting tense, you start thinking, how am I going to do it? What, you know, how am I going to fit it in? But your mind is saying, but I should do it. Well, your body's telling you it's a no. Um, You have too much going on. But you override the no because your mind is saying you should, and what ends up happening over time is that your body's going to keep giving you these messages until you don't listen, and all of a sudden you're going to get sick because your body's like, you know, you're not listening to me, so here you go. You really need to rest, um, so you're going to get sick.
0: That happens to me every single Christmas.
2: Yeah, right.
0: Because it's too much, and your body just tells you that you, you
2: have to rest, and we're going to make you now. <laughs> Uh, And I think, lastly, I would say, um, you know, like we talked about, bring your authentic self to the environment, whether it's office or the home, you know, hiding who you are, what's going on. There's a lot of things that are happening during the holidays. You know, it's not joyous for everyone. Uh, There are uh, people that are uh, hurting. Um, It's a time for reflection. There are people that have lost loved ones. You know, there are a number of different, there are illnesses, there's a lot going on and to, you know, put on the fake smile to try to make the the room perfect um, and not really acknowledging where you're at emotionally um, is, you know, you're overriding again, that what your body is saying. And so really being authentic about, hey, you know, right now, this is kind of where I'm at and things are a bit hard right now
0: is is okay. All right, Trisha, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprint.
1: And you also know that we are.
0: <laughs> I didn't know you are stopping there. We are. And we started dipping our, you know, toe into this environmentally friendly pond with Switching our laundry detergent machines, give me a look. By switching our liquid laundry detergent and plastic jugs with true earth laundry detergent strips. So it is such an easy way to start being more environmental in your home. And it's, it sticks. So this detergent comes in these soluble strips. You simply rip them apart, toss them in the, in the machine, and there's no plastic packaging. So it takes up like zero space in your laundry room. I think we have four years worth of laundry in there.
1: Yeah. Whether you care about the environment or not, I don't know. Maybe you're listening and maybe you're a denier of some sort. (laughs) Who cares? It just keeps your house neater.
0: And it works so well.
1: Yeah. So this isn't just for liberals. This is for everyone. (laughs) It is.
0: It is. No, honestly, it it works beautifully. It keeps everything so clean. And we go for the kids. We get the baby detergent because, you know, it's fragrance-free. It's soft on everybody's skin. And it works so tough still. And Shane really took a liking to the Lilac Breeze scent, which we have been getting for our clothes lately. And it's just, it smells like, what, a spring morning
1: I don't know. If you put flowers in something, it all smells the same to me. But yes, (laughs) for the sake of your little speech here, I'm in love with the lilac breeze.
0: So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 to get 10% off your order. And your order might be a single time order delivery or it could be a subscription. And you're going to get 10% off of your entire subscription, which is huge savings. So you're going to love this product. Take our word for it. Again, that is True.Earth and This Family Tree 10. And now let's get back to our interview with Trisha. Yeah, and I, I think people are very understanding of that too. And if you find that you're feeling alone in your thoughts or in your experience and you haven't tried talking about it yet, I I feel like you'll be surprised by how willing people are to make that kind of a part of the holiday because I think there is so much time for reflection and for especially as you get older like when you're when you're a kid and you haven't experienced anything other than positive of course it's going to hold that really happy only good things place but as you age you're inevitably people start dying you go through nasty experiences and that is going to shape your holidays but I don't think Generally speaking, obviously there are caveats everywhere, but generally speaking, I don't think that that needs to make holidays for the for the rest of time miserable or a time of sadness. I think Mm -hmm. it's good to have reflection and to have a little bit of grief and to have all of that in there.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just processing those emotions and being surrounded by people that appreciate all of you, even the messy you, right, Mm -hmm. and get you through that. And then the next year, you know, it might be better. So it's just not – I think it's not putting on the mask that we all put on. I think just it'll make things easier for yourself.
0: And, you know, when it comes to that mask, you know, we put that on to avoid a lot of things. But I think some of us, to avoid, like, self-doubt, negative, just – self-perception because it's hard to it's hard to keep motivated sometimes when we are feeling those tough thoughts coming in or whatever whatever form that takes so what do you think is a way to maintain our self-confidence or self-love in our routines and the things that make us feel like our authentic selves during the holidays
2: i think a reminder of Oftentimes, and and this is for those of us that are self-proclaimed perfectionists. I'm one of them. Um, I mean, oftentimes, we call ourselves recovering perfectionists. It is good in some ways. It usually propels us to success. Um, and I, without my perfectionism, probably wouldn't have achieved the the nice success I've achieved. But the hard side of perfectionism is the negative self-talk, and we are much harder on ourselves than we are on other people. And what happens is we start getting this quiet voice in our mind of, that's not good enough. You didn't do that well enough. Why isn't that person calling us back? Why, you know, and it's a quiet, subtle voice that that keeps criticizing what we're doing. And I think one of the things is really noticing. I mean, the practice of noticing when that negative self-talk shows up and and then acknowledging it's there and how it's wrong, right? When people say, like in the work context, well, he didn't email me back or I left message and haven't responded in four days or, you know, it's like, well, it was four days, right. You, you know, or it was, it was 30 seconds ago. Like why, you know, what are the facts that contradict what your story might be around the situation? So I think that's um, really important. And with respect to uh, showing up authentically is surround yourself with the people and community that accept you exactly as you are. And whether it's friends, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to look at your friendships and say, am I putting in a lot of work to be something that fits into the group or do they accept me exactly as I am? And if they're not accepting you exactly as you are, the whole messy self, well, maybe maybe it's time to reevaluate some of those friendships. And the same um, goes in the workplace. If If you have to, and I did this for decades. You know, I had I changed. You know, the way I was, how I dressed, how I spoke, how all of these things, because I thought that was the way I needed to show up. Uh, without realizing that that takes so much emotional energy to do, uh, that you don't need to do it. And and there are people and places out there
0: that will love you for exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's exhausting to show up as not yourself. It is so exhausting. And I even think of when I started kind of getting involved in podcasting and online. And I wasn't especially online, like on Instagram, social media. I was not myself. I was kind of myself. But then I was also combining it with what I thought people wanted to see. And it was so hard to create content. It was so hard to write something because it it wasn't entirely, it was mostly authentic, but still trying to fit into that mold. Yeah. Yeah. And it is so exhausting and I hate it. And it's, I'm so glad <laughs> to be past that. I know it is exhausting. And, you know, I'm going through that myself right
2: now as you know, I'm a first time author. I'm also not been on much on social media. So I'm, you know, starting to ramp that up and it's like, well, who is me? And And I think we go through that Anytime we start on something new uh, because the it's new, it's uncomfortable and so you're trying to you know evaluate and figure it out and you know and, and I think recognizing that it will not it will always kind of show up and it's just, it, you know you don't fix it uh, I think is important too
0: Yeah no it's hard to find your footing and I never begrudge or judge anybody because then I'd, I'd be doing that to myself too who gets caught up in that? Because to build your self-confidence, you, you just have to have an idea about what you're doing, I think, to some degree. And I, th- I think we all go through that every time, like you said, mm-hmm. every time we take on a new venture. Because it's tough not to <laughs> It's tough not to find your voice in a yeah, specific space until you think, oh, this is what I don't like. I don't like this about going with the mold or whatever it is. You have to, you know, fail and succeed and get back up when you screw up. And- yeah. It's just all of that. But, Trisha, I want to ask, where can people find you on social media? Where can they get your book? When is it coming out again? I know you said it at the beginning, but remind us again. Yeah. All that.
2: Yes. Yeah. So you can find me at trishatim.com, and that's T-R-I-C-I-A, uh, Tim with two m dot com. And uh, my book is out in March, March 7th, uh, 2023. And you'll find my book on Amazon. If you want to support our in, independent bookstores, IndieBound, uh, you'll be able to find it locally in Barnes and & Noble and, and and all retailers. Amazing. So I'm thrilled. I'm excited. It's a new venture. So I'm in that uncomfortable space of promoting it and because I'm bringing my whole self out there. But really, I think growth happens in these new spaces. It's been an awesome ride so far and I'm looking
0: forward to it. Oh, hell yeah. And Trisha, congratulations, by the way, that is no small feat and you deserve just to feel so great. So I, I really hope you do. And I, I wish you the best with the book.
2: Thank you. It is. It's been a huge journey, long, big learning curve, but um, I'd love to thank you. I appreciate
0: that. Absolutely. Well, it was so nice meeting you and thank you so much for doing this on a Saturday morning yeah. with me. That's yeah. so crazy. I know, but I really appreciate it oh thank you i appreciate it awesome have a great weekend and merry christmas yes you too merry christmas
1: great interview alex Oh, thanks babe but this is the christmas holiday mailbag edition
0: all right so let's get to it the first question submitted to us what is your favorite thing about christmas
1: Whew, i'm gonna say giving and receiving gifts
0: <laughs> That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, a lot of people diminish the value in that.
0: <laughs> but I was thinking
1: about it today. You take that out of it, what is it? It's you you got it. Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Or Thanksgiving, maybe closer mm-hmm. to. And I don't give a shit about Thanksgiving. Like I
0: don't <laughs> hate
1: Thanksgiving, but I don't look forward to it. I don't get so excited.
0: Yeah. No. The the giving and receiving of gifts is the best, and the giving of gifts almost surpasses the receiving in terms of feeling, I think. Like you know, when you really strike gold with somebody and you get them something amazing and then they you you just occupy a better space in their brain than you did before.
1: What about receiving a really good gift? I know it's the the thing to say is, oh, giving's better than receiving. What about receiving something really good?
0: I love receiving. hmm But uh you didn't get my joke? What? I love receiving, and then it gave you a funny look.
1: Oh, sorry, I looked away. <laughs> you love receiving.
0: Well, it was a joke.
1: Oh, so do you not love receiving?
0: <laughs> I do. Okay, my favorite thing. Oh, jeez. Is the vibe, and the giving of what? and receiving. receiving. <laughs> the giving and receiving of gifts, obviously adds to the vibe. But it's everything. It's that Christmas is so all encompassing. It's like.
1: There's no vibe without the giving and receiving.
0: No, there is. It's because the the movies, the music, the food, everything. Because it's like the eggnog. You only have these things at this time. Easter, uh, Thanksgiving. They don't have their own desserts like we get candy cane ice cream that comes out every time this year. And like, there's a whole culture around Christmas, and everything around you changes so much. I would argue this time.
1: without the gifts, there's none of that.
0: Well, I'm saying the gifts add to it. Okay. They're a part of it. I think the
1: gifts are it.
0: But it is just the vibe of Christmas is incredible. And it's just, it's not replicated at any other time of the year. I think the closest thing is Halloween where everything around you, music, movies, whatever changes. But Christmas is just way lighter and it's way more fun and it's just happier.
1: It's like everyone's birthday.
0: Yes. Yes. What a better feeling than that. Right? Right. Okay, the next question. What is the most underrated gift? I'm just going to say socks and underwear. Yeah. Underrated, amazing. Nobody doesn't like getting socks and underwear, especially if you get them some nice undies that they're not going to buy for themselves.
1: Yeah, socks, new socks, nothing's better.
0: No, no, it's amazing. And I, our floors at home are notoriously terrible
1: we wear crocs inside though
0: yeah but only recently and because of our terrible floors all my socks get damaged within like a week of wearing them
1: but we wear crocs inside all the time now
0: yeah but all my socks are already damaged
1: wear your crocs more than
0: i do that's what i'm saying since i've gotten the crocs i haven't damaged any more socks but prior to that hey,
1: vanilla ice cream everyone
0: <laughs> you're welcome it's your rap name no i get that okay do you have anything to add also though for underrated gifts no. Okay. Next question. Vaginal steaming. What is it and why do celebrities do it? Shane, have you heard about vaginal I, steaming?
1: It's funny. I was going to say that as an underrated gift.
0: <laughs> have you heard of it?
1: Vaginal steaming? Yeah. No, I just now. I assume it clears up the pores down there or something.
0: Oh, Opens it's more. like a very like goopy like um Gwyneth Paltrowy type thing. But it's something that's been done a lot in different countries. And, you know, women will add like herbs and things to it to get a different concoction going. And it's supposed to, I wrote down all the things that people purport it to do. So they say it is a natural remedy for cleaning the vagina, uterus, and entire reproductive tract. And it helps relieve stress, depression, hemorrhoids, infections, infertility, hormone imbalances, headaches, fatigue, digestive estrogen. Issues in generalized pain. So there's zero scientific research for this, but you can like severely injure yourself or burn your labia or your clitoris, which sounds horrendous. And it's just, it lives in one of those weird worlds where it's not regulated. You can vaginal steam, but it also might be cause a breeding place for bacteria and yeast infections. Like, would you ever, if somebody was like, Shane, steaming your penis is going to relieve stress, depression, clean out your reproductive system. Would you do it? Hot steam.
1: I don't even steam my body. And people tell me it does those things.
0: Steaming, I love a steam room. Okay, I'm I'm saying I don't even do that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's scary. And it reminded me of right when I was, I was like right about to give birth to Lucy and I was getting my nails done at my, my old nail place and my manicurist, she's doing my nails and she's going, oh, you know, when that baby comes out, you're going to have to start getting in shape again. And I was like, oh, thanks. (laughs) Okay. And uh, you know, you've got a million things going on in your head already. And she goes, and then, you know, what's going to help make you tight again? And I was like, oh geez, what? And she goes, you take a candle. And you squat over the candle and you do that every day for 10 minutes, squat over the burning candle. And I was like, I don't know if I, I don't think so. I don't know if I want to do that. And she's like, you do it and you tell me the results. (laughs) And obviously I never did it. I don't exactly know what the results were supposed to be, but she swore by it.
1: I think just squatting alone, probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, pretty wacky, but that also is definitely like the weirdest pregnancy parenting anything related to that advice I've ever had uh okay next question watching Megan and Harry and they're talking about how they needed a nanny I'm a working mom and feel like I could use one more than them would you guys ever use a nanny so like I mean if I was wealthy enough to have some kind of helper in my house I think I'd have a cook I don't know, but nannies are invaluable, I think, in in some situations. If you're traveling a lot, if you're working a lot, if you need to just get out on a whim and leave the kids with somebody you trust. What about you?
1: Does the nanny live with you all the time?
0: I think so, which is the weird part because then you're sharing your house with another adult, which is kind of annoying. For
1: that reason alone, I'll say no. I'm, you know, I don't want to be awkward around another person or feel weird. Mm Mm-hmm. I like being alone.
0: I walk around naked a lot, I find. And I think I'd have to stop that if we had a nanny here. So that would be a big no for me. But the chef, you know, they come in three times a day, just whip up a little dish and peace out.
1: Where do they go when they leave? That's got to be a terrible life. <laughs> they just You're live You're always the shed. <laughs> home and then you come back. I got to go again.
0: <laughs> well, I imagine they'd probably like come here once, prep the dinners and then go home. Or the meals, whatever. I don't know how it works. But
1: if you prep a meal, don't you have to come back and complete it?
0: Well, maybe they just do all of the work, and then you just kind of put it together at the end. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how it works. I gotta watch more Kardashians. All right, and this is our final question. Do they get
1: deep dive chefs and what it's like? (laughs) Is an educational (laughs) show? Here's the secret life of our chefs.
0: (laughs) Well, they they definitely have chefs like.
1: Oh, I know, but I don't... Kendall's not
0: cooking for herself.
1: I agree, but I don't think watching the show will teach you anything.
0: Maybe they should. I think that could be a good documentary series. Focus in on their helpers. Good point. All right, our final question, Shane. Do you guys ever host? Does your decision to do so or not ever cause feelings of stress or guilt? So, no, we don't host family dinners on holidays. I don't think we have the room. First of all, I guess we could if we needed to, but we don't. And I have zero feelings of guilt about it.
1: The most things. No, the biggest thing we ever hosted was we had one of your friend's baby showers here. Yeah. And then a couple of their friends went roaming around our house and
0: Lucy was napping and they wanted to see Lucy's room. And the party knew she was napping because I was like, okay, Lucy's going for a nap. Say goodbye, Lucy. She went up for her nap. And then these women just walked into her room, woke her up. So I'm hosting and then have like a crying baby. And they like weren't apologetic. And then they broke the wall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have a big hole in the wall. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So maybe we haven't really had anyone over since.
0: (laughs) We haven't even had like our friends over for a proper party in here. We no. did at the old place, but never here.
1: It's a weird house. And and people are in a weird position because now everyone has children. It's hard to get out. It's so tough. None of my friends really have house parties.
0: No. It is my favorite way to party, but... It no, is? I never knew that. I love a house party. Really? Well, I, I did anyway... I think.
1: We all did, but now we're like 40. You like yeah, a house I party? I hate a house party.
0: Well, I, I did because it was cheaper. It was fun. You're in somebody's cozy house. But now.
1: Oh, they're the worst. I
0: do like to, I do like to go out now. But I'm picky about where I like to go. I don't want to go out somewhere too busy. I don't want to go somewhere where the music's so loud that I can't hear my friends. I want to go somewhere that's that perfect level where you can be the rowdiest group. You can hear each other. You can have a good time. And the drinks don't cost you $25.
1: Oh, I don't care. I'm a grown man. C- charge me whatever. I'm getting out three times a year. Top. <laughs> I have to live it up. I don't give a shit. And look at the way we go out. We go to. Yeah. We went to Detroit <laughs> Club. I swear to God, the drinks were thirty dollars each.
0: Oh, they were at that one bar we went to, like that I fancy bar. I, yeah. I,
1: see, I, I don't think you're being your true self right now. No,
0: because if I'm thinking about things off top of my dome, I I want to go somewhere where the beers are not that you expensive you do
1: that that usually is there's a for
0: a party like if you're
1: a corollary though between the type of place you go to not that you have to go to the Ritz but i'm saying the place with the cheapest beers that act like it's going to be the funnest place often not the case <laughs> as someone who just went on a pub crawl across Hamilton true the place with the cheapest beers was the worst bar i've ever been to in my life
0: what was it called i don't
1: want to say it i don't want to i'm not putting down a business in hamilton but yeah it's Normals fine, vibe is important, and often the best vibe is at a somewhat decent place. And I think if you're only going, I understand university student, you're going out every weekend. Yeah. If you're in university, you're going out sometimes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. If you're me, three times a year tops.
0: Well, in university too, it's any day of the week, like Monday was dollar beers at seeps. Tuesday was like dollar beers at Jack's. Wednesday was dollar beers at somewhere else. Every single day had a thing.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. The quality doesn't matter. It's the quantity. And you're inevitably going to have the best night of your life because the odds are in your favor for having a good time. When you're our age, you actually have to plan to have a great time. And that's why, you know, we're not wealthy by any means. Far from it. But I am willing to treat myself to put the odds a little bit more favorable for that we'll have a good time
0: that's i had zero guilt about detroit because of that
1: oh i know that's why i found your answer so surprising that you well, like I, house parties which no, are I'm a thinking nightmare. about with
0: my friends like you know what i mean oh
1: still with my friends it's tough because you get saddled up with one friend and you know friends it's like you get 20 friends there's that one friend you're only really comfortable with after like four beers <laughs> Let's say now it's one beer in, and you're saddled up with them all night, and the house is awkward, and it's hard to move around, and you're just on the couch with some guy you kind of (laughs) like, and then the night's done.
0: That could happen at a bar, though. No. (laughs) Open
1: space, washroom. You go to the The washroom situation at a Mm. house, somebody just took a shit. It's a weird lady who you don't want to embarrass I'm more worried about smelling a lady's shit than someone smelling mine. Your
0: wife took a huge dump in the crapper.
1: Well, I just know women tend to get more embarrassed by that sort of thing.
0: Well, yeah, you're telling me. Or is that sexist? Okay, you're telling me, though, like, if somebody came out, like, I'll name a female friend. Like, if we're all at a house party and we have a friend named Carly, what if, like, Carly came out of the washroom after you and she's, like, across the party? Hey, everyone, Shane just took a smelly poop in the bathroom. You're telling me you wouldn't be mortified.
1: I it, it, for guys, honestly, it's it's looked at as like a badge of honor. It Might be an exaggeration, but it's it's more funny. If I, I guarantee you, if if that happened, Carly did that, people would laugh or go ooh. If I did that to Carly, she might be in tears. It would be a form of bullying.
0: You get kicked out.
1: Yeah, so it, I do think there's a big difference.
0: I just like the idea of the scenario.
1: But. Could it? It would be looked at as so mean yeah. if I did that. Oh my god, and not that percent. If she did that, one hundred percent. That's what I mean.
0: Yeah, no, society. 100%. society. That's Think about it. Oh, I'm thinking about it, and society. I'm I'm also thinking about the next time that we're gonna spend a pretty punny, pretty penny, on our cocktails, and that's in New Orleans. But that's that's a conversation mm-hmm. for a different day. But it, I'm gonna put right. it out there. I know a couple listeners live in Louisiana, and guys. Start thinking about it. Hit me up with New Orleans recommendations. Since we're on the fancy cocktail subject, hit me up. Indeed. But Shane, that's all we got for tonight. And listeners, give us the Christmas gift of going and giving our podcast a rating, a review, a comment. We would so appreciate it. We really would. And we hope that you all have a very, very, very Merry Christmas and that varies
1: that's good y'all threw me off a little bit Uh you mentioned Louisiana once (laughs) okay Uh, thank you so much for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast. Podcast
0: episode 155